Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your social better. Emma, which provides innovative email marketing tools that drive brilliant results. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with integrated solutions for social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. And Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors. With Yext, update your location data once and publish it to your website, apps, over 100 publishers, including Google, Apple Maps, Facebook, Bing, and Yahoo. That's the power of location. That's Yext. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, not joined today by my special Texas friend, Adam Brown. As we record this, I believe he is in the Bay Area at Dreamforce, the 175,000 attendee conference uh, run by his employer, Salesforce Marketing Cloud. So I am flying solo today, but that's okay, because I am joined by a very special guest live Recording this uh, in three dimensions, sitting right across a very small table in a strange break room in Iowa City, Iowa. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the godfather of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute. We're both out here in lovely Iowa City, underrated town, by the way. We're out here in Iowa City for the Social Brand Forum, a terrific regional conference run by our mutual friend, Nick Westergaard. Joe just gave a scintillating keynote on all the wonders of content marketing and his new Content Inc. approach and book by the same name that I cannot recommend highly enough. I'm going to do some speaking later today about Hug Your Haters, but I, I, I looked at the list of guests that we have had on the Social Pros podcast, and we're at 250 episodes, whatever it is now, a uh, weekly show for five years, and I don't think you've ever been on this show. You know, Jay, I've been on Content Pros. Well, as it might, I, it's, yeah, makes sense. I actually thought there was a personal issue between us because I never got the call and I, I didn't know what I what I did. Well, once I went through the <laughs> once I went through the 250 people I wanted to have on the show, I said, "No, let's let's put Joe on the show." So, thank you. Apologies better, for the for the apologies for the five year oversight. No, but this is really glamorous. Actually, we're doing it by the refrigerator, the the, ta- the wobbly table, and, and Iowa City of all places. Yeah, so. you know, I, we only meet in the in the very most glamorous uh, locations. But the best for us. For people who listen to this show, obviously called Social Pros, so social media practitioners who who may not know you or know the Content Marketing Institute because they're more on the social media side of the house, could you give Social Pros listeners just a, an overview of the things that you do? So Content Marketing so basically I came from the publishing background. I used to work at a company called Penton Media, a large business-to-business uh, media company, and had the itch to become an entrepreneur, did that in 2007. And my first blog post I remember was April 26, 2007, was called Why Content Marketing. It wasn't really called content marketing at the time, but basically put all my apples in that basket and uh, went through a couple different business models to find the right one. And the right one was Content Marketing Institute, which we launched in May of 2010, training and education company for uh, enterprise marketers. So we work with really large companies with, with complex content challenges, sales integration issues, technology issues. 
And the, the pieces, parts for Content Marketing Institute are we communicate with our audience every day in a blog. Uh, we have online training that we offer uh, for our audience. We have Chief Content Officer Magazine, which is a six time a year magazine. That we Great magazine. That's excellent. You. And actually print. Yeah, I know. It's a print magazine. It's unbelievable. And then uh, probably the thing we're best known for is Content Marketing World, which you've spoken at every year, yeah. uh, which we just finished our sixth year with 3,600 marketers. From I was told seventy four countries, which is hard to believe. That is that is amazing. Uh, it's a terrific event. Thirty six hundred marketers. Yeah, I didn't actually think we were. Getting, I mean, I, there's you and I have both been there. Two thousand nine. There was a point where I was like, oh my god, I got to go get a job. This is not going yeah. to work. But two thousand ten was a great year, and we finally got the business model right. Really understanding that there's a lot of marketers out there that have no understanding of a content mar- a real content marketing approach. And that was our mission behind the organization, and I'm, I'm still doing that today. And recently uh, sold the company to uh, a large events organization. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, June, uh, we sold Content Marketing Institute to UBM. So UBM is one of the largest events, first companies in the world. And they have actually the majority of their businesses in, is in the United States. And the majority, and we're in actually the UBM tech group now. So they do uh, Black Hat and Security Game Developers Conference that gets 25,000, 40,000 people to it. So we're actually... Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Oh, my God. 3,600 marketers. Like a 3,600-person marketing conference. There's not that many that are that big, really, in the big scheme of things. A handful, maybe. Uh, And it's nothing, right? And then they're black hat guy, 40,000 people. You're you're just like the the niche inside the niche. Well, that's one of the things that attracted us. It's like, look, we, we think we've got something special to how we do an events experience, but they know events better than anyone else. And so we're part of this UBM tech group, great group of people. I mean, one of my personal goals and my wife's, you know, we started the company in 2007 was to have a successful exit so that at some point we can do the nonprofit stuff that we're doing and yeah. stay at home with the kids maybe a little bit more. So it really worked out, but, but I'm just, so everybody knows I'm hundred percent with Content Marketing Institute. I'm still doing my thing and speaking and writing and, and evangelizing and, and just having a ball with so you essentially invented content marketing, or at least the term, at least the <laughs> term of art, the term of art, at least, if nothing else. Uh, as we've talked about many times, content marketing as a discipline has been around uh, forever. We just didn't have a taxonomy for it. Uh, obviously, this is a, sh- a show about social media. You use social media personally. Your businesses use social media to promote your content, to promote your magazines, your events. What, what is the relationship between content and, and social for you? There's it's almost hard to separate it. I mean, you heard me, I just talked in, uh, at the event here that Nick puts on, fantastic event, that I'm like, look, use social that makes sense for you, that you understand the purpose behind it. And that's what we do with Content Marketing Institute. We're really heavy into, we're really heavy into using Facebook uh, with Twitter. So we're into using Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. We've got a great LinkedIn community. Um, the, the way that we look at it, though, is kind of the way I talk about it in the speech. They own those platforms, those companies do. So before you go all in, you need to understand that you're getting into bed with somebody that's going to make the rules for you. Build your audiences, of course, but you know, also keep one eye open and make sure that, hey, how are we building that audience on that other platform yeah. and leveraging it as part of the business model? So I talk heavily about really what we'd like to do is communicate with those people. Of course, we use it as heavy customer service, especially Twitter. That's probably our main back yeah. uh, channel for that. But 
we want to drive subscribers. So we can reach somebody that gets a piece of our content on Twitter. And email subscribers, email and mag- subscribers and magazine subscribers. And magazine subscribers. So those are our top two priorities. One, first one is email. Number two is print subscribers. And what we found out is that if we can get an email or a print subscriber, they're more likely to buy products and services from us. All the other audience building channels that we use, the main three that I talked about, absolutely come into play. And if we can add those to the way we touch our customers, it's fantastic, yep. we'll do it. But we, we also know we tread lightly because we don't know where Facebook's going to change their algorithm next. Or I mean, I really do think that in a lot of cases, it is, it is a great place for paid and a really good place for responding to customers. Are you using social to drive subscriptions directly? Or is the idea we use social to get somebody back to your website and once they're on the website, they will subscribe? Sometimes it's directly. Like every once in a while on Twitter, let's say, or on Facebook, we'll say, hey, maybe you didn't know that Chief Content Officer Magazine is free subscription. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to subscribe. But more or less, it's, hey, check out this article on the X steps to do whatever for your B2B enterprise. You go to the piece of content, then you realize, oh, that content is from the magazine. Oh, and it's a free subscription. I'm going to subscribe. So we do everything we can to get somebody to subscribe. And if I have, if there's one area that I probably regret when I started the business was that we didn't focus on email subscriptions soon enough. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I'm a little media guy background. I'm like, well, maybe the print subscription option will work. And it's just worked beautifully because what a lot of people don't realize is you get so much information from print subscription. Yeah. You basically, we can fill out our data library. Yeah. So now we can better segment through email and it's just, it's a beautiful process. But I mean, our social team is fantastic. And I think the best part about it is, is building the community so that they know we're listening to them. We're getting great right. ideas. We get our best content ideas on social, no doubt about it. So we use it more of a, as a data farm and, and making sure that our customers, our audience knows that we're listening to them. You talked about a LinkedIn community, which is not something that we've touched on lately here at Social Pros. Uh, you want to talk about how that works for you and, and, and sort of what goes on in that LinkedIn community. So we've made a lot of changes to our LinkedIn community. Uh, we have well over 100,000 members in our content marketing institute community, and it used to be open. It used to be open to anyone. You could get in, and then, of course, as changes happened with LinkedIn and how they changed their yeah. algorithm, we've got a ton of spam. Yeah. Everyone was pitching, so now it's moderated. You got you actually have to say, I would like to join yeah. and check it out and make sure it's a, it's, it's a more of a tedious process, but important because the people who are in there really care about content. And it, you cannot link. We set the rules for it. We said, basically, you can't post anything. We want this all to be question and answer. Mm-hmm. If you have a question, you need help from the community, and it's really worked out well. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is you can set the rules. You're yeah. creating the community. Of course, yeah. it's LinkedIn can change at any time, but right now we're setting these rules. It's working really well. And again, like it's we do soft sells in there. Like we'll always say, hey, uh, Jay Bear is speaking at Content Marketing World. What would you like to ask Jay? So, of course, we're pitching a little bit of content yeah. marketing, but it's always about what do you want yeah. to ask Jay? What things do you really need to know? It's always about them first, and we're never pitching anything directly like, oh, hey, content marketing rules coming up. Here's a coupon code. We right. never do that in our LinkedIn community. How is your social team structured? Do you have individual people dedicated to different channels? Uh, do you have a couple of people who just sort of you know switch off back and forth? How, how does that work? So, Mo Wagner, who's tremendous, she runs all of our social media. Um, and she reports into Kathy McPhillips as our VP of marketing. Between the two of them, they cover all the channels. Uh, and they, 
there's a, in a few cases, Kathy covers maybe one channel and Mo covers another, but for the most part, Mo's responsible for responding and setting the editorial calendar and setting that up to know, okay, here's the 14 posts we're going to send out on Twitter today, here's the time, and Mo yeah. sets all that up and makes sure that's rolling. Uh, we do less posting on Facebook. Mo takes care of that. Yeah. On the LinkedIn community, Kathy's a little bit more involved. So we basically have a two-person team. Maybe even say a person and a quarter because it's about a quarter of Kathy's, Kathy's time. time. Yeah. Um, but I think what makes it work for us is that we made decisions not to do Google Plus. Let's say like. Maybe one. We're not post. super active on we're Instagram. Not, we're not super. Know. So Instagram, and what we what we've done is we have a why rule book for who we're targeting and why we're on each channel. So Instagram is all about the personal side of CMI employees. So if I'm going out and I'm speaking in Iowa City, I'll take a picture. Mo might put it on Instagram and say, "Hey, Joe's out in Iowa City today." It's just yep. more personal, letting everybody know where we're at. It's not businessy. We don't do any links to posts or whatever the case is. Yeah. Like Heavy in Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. And, and then LinkedIn, personally, I use, I publish on LinkedIn not as regularly as I used to, but I still do publish when they open it up beyond the influencers. It sort of lost its appeal a little bit. But um, I think the key to making... You're lucky that you were nominated to be an influencer in LinkedIn. I was never able to I was never able to cross that threshold. It's the only thing that I got that you didn't get first. Well, you also got a giant, a giant buyout from an events company. Um, so I'm going to say two things. We're just going to move on from that standpoint. But uh, the thing is, is that you can really make this work, but you have to choose wisely. And I think yeah. we've done that. And we like we've had the Snapchat conversation. What are we going to do? And we fought it, fought it, and say we're not ready to commit. Yeah. And if you're not going to commit to a channel, you don't do yeah. it until you're ready to go all in. We don't have a, a corporate Snapchat account for convince and convert. Okay. Um, we do for me. Uh, I like it, but we don't have one for the company. And that's not to say we won't ever, but we don't. Uh, I see. I, I I did one snap, uh, with, which Aaron Arndorfer made me maybe do. And uh, other than that, I've never done a snap before. I'm going to actually do a Snapchat while you answer the next question. Oh, so we're going to do it in, in real time here. Um, <laughs> you're just, you just keep pulling me back. In. I know. I know. So when you, you know, you're running the company, you've got Kathy as the vice president of marketing. You've got Mo doing social media. From a reporting standpoint, from a metrics standpoint, from a are they doing what you want them to do in social media? What do you look at? What do you care about? So everything is based on, believe it or not, the email subscriber. That is our core metric. And if we are not pushing working social media channels to do that, it's not going to work for us. So uh, everything and all the way the, the ways that we look at our bonusing structure and compensation and, uh, and uh, increase year over year from what we're doing online and then with our content. So Michelle Lynn, who's our VP of content and Kathy work hand in hand to know that our goal is subscribers to grow and keep subscribers. That's it. And it may be simplified, but it really works well with our model because we know and we have the data to show that engaged subscribers buy from us. Sure. The more engaged yeah. they are, the more they buy, the more they talk favorably about us. So to me, if you were going to say, hey, what's the one metric for content and social? I wanted to focus on email subscribers, not because I don't like Facebook fans or Twitter followers or whatever, but that's the only yeah. one I have some control. So you're looking then at, at for just from a, an analytics perspective, somebody clicks on a link on Facebook, then comes to the site, then becomes an email subscriber. Yes. You sort of look at that, that we're, sort of we're conversion look, path. We're looking at that kind of yeah. conversion path because I want you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, when somebody comes to content marketing world, 
Is there any way that that's predictable in some way? What do they do first? Whether they attend the event or not. How yeah, is that predictable? What are the, the precursors for that? Exactly. Whether they attend the event or go to the training. So do they say, oh, oh, I'm going to first sign up as an email subscriber? That's what we found. They sign up as an email subscriber. That's the gateway show, drug. Then it's the gateway drug. Then they go to some content. Then they get, oh, they get, a, they get on one of our webinars. And once they get on the webinars, they try a little bit. Maybe they do some of our free training. And then maybe they go to a master class, which is a one-day in-person event. And then from that one, we know that we're so close to getting them to content marketing world, which is our ultimate, what we'd really like them to buy. Um, and then social is a part of that. So what makes the most sense? We know that the, the best way for us is Twitter is probably the best thing that we see, not from necessarily a conversion standpoint, but the amount of traffic going back. Uh, so we get them. Yeah, so it's more of a link filled medium. Yeah. And we get them to go to our site. So they've come from Twitter. Somebody has hashtagged it. They found it some way. Great. They, oh, great. They found it about CMI. Come back a few more times. Oh, then they subscribe to something. Once they subscribe, then we can track it all the way through and go from there. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a critical part of everything we do. And some people, you know, we, Twitter's not involved. Maybe it's just LinkedIn. Maybe it's just email. Um, it's, I'm not here to say, oh, I need to know the exact buyer's journey because nobody's going to, you can't do that today. But we can we can be a little bit smart about what we focus on and what we don't. Speaking of Twitter, you have done uh, Twitter chats for a really long time, for years, yeah. years and years. Can you talk about the Twitter chat piece of your social media and content program and, and how Twitter chats have changed in the, in the years that you've been doing them? If I was to say, if we were just having a conversation, hey, Joe, just let's just focus on the best thing you've done on social, it's probably Twitter chats. Wow. So the idea started in 2013 before the event to say, hey, how do we get the community going and kind of prepare for content marketing world? And we used the CM world hashtag and we said, well, what if we have our speakers kind of pre, you know, pre-introduce their talks and we'll talk about something that like you would come on and talk about customer service, let's say. And social media so we have an hour we have basically seven questions and they all filter through everybody gets on the hashtag and there's a lot of you know back and forth with the community we started that in 2013 and we went up to the event and then we were done we we're like okay maybe we'll we'll see how it goes and then we'll maybe we'll do it before the 2014 event well everyone that was staying on consistently said well we want to keep doing this every tuesday at noon like let's keep going so it was okay well they built the editorial calendar and kept going the stat, I can't even share the stats are off the charts. We probably have on a regular basis about 150 to 200 people that regularly, let's say once every month, they're on. Yeah. We have a core group of 20 that are true believers. Yeah, every week. You can always count on them every week. Here's the most amazing thing that we found. The people that go regularly, let's say once every month, 75% of those people go to content marketing world. Wow. You're like, oh my God. And then that doesn't even count the hundreds of millions of impressions that we get throughout the year because everyone's talking about this. They're like, oh, hey, hi, tweet alert. I'm on the CM world. And then it's great for speakers because they get out. It's not a hard thing for a speaker to do. Uh, you've done a number of uh, Twitter chats. It's fun to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Doing one next week, actually, for yeah, IBM. Great, great conversation. But I would say that part of our community building, it, it's, it's a, just a core piece of what we do. And I think it's worked because... Most people look at social media and it's almost like, oh, I'll publish here and I'll react here and whatever. We, we treat it just like any other content asset. It's every Tuesday at noon, this format, the consistency is key. So now we're over three years doing it. 
and uh, you know, there's no reason to stop because it just keeps working really, really well for us. I'm glad you mentioned consistency, and it was a big part of your keynote speech this morning, the concept that, look, if you're going to do anything in content marketing, one of the keys to that success is to do it consistently, to publish at the same time on the same day. What I always uh, say is that content success is based on uh, perspiration, not inspiration. This idea that I want to make something when I feel like I have something to say is a recipe for ruin. Uh, you just, you can't, it's not like Sports Illustrated. It's like, you know, in the summer, it's only, it's only baseball, so we're just not going to publish this week, right? It's just like there's a magazine every week. They'll find a way to give you a magazine. Uh, and content works the same. Do you believe the same is true for social? That, that from a social media standpoint, you need to have six tweets a day and three Instagram photos a day that you should have the same kind of editorial calendar cadence that, that I know you would prescribe for content. So I'm going to hedge. Do I think it's as important as setting a regular uh, schedule for email or your print magazine or your webinars? No, but I think it's important because you're setting an editorial calendar just like you are for anything else. And what happens if you don't set an editorial calendar? It's almost calendar, more of an expectations calendar. If you, if you say, if you don't have a calendar that says, like for us, we know we're doing 12 tweets a day. We know that uh, 10 of those are influencer posts that we're sharing from other. We know that one of those is our own piece of content or two of those. And then we've got another one that's maybe a promotional offer. Yep. That's what we do every day. We, we know the timings that those go out. If we don't do that and have that editorial calendar, we're going to miss a day. When you miss a day, you you have the chance to break the that content promise that you've made yep. to somebody, that engagement yep. promise. Yep. I can't say it's as critical as email or print or some of the other traditional things, but I think that if you don't have that mentality and set it up, you're going to drop some balls, things are going to slide through the cracks, you're going to have a problem. So I think if you commit to a social channel, you should say, oh, we're going to be on Instagram. We're going to post one really good post at X time every day, and that's the way we're going to do it. And the rest of it's for commenting, yeah. conversation, whatever the case yeah. is. Yeah. Speaking of, of email, I want to remind our Social Pros listeners that many tens of thousands of you out there, and thank you to all of you. Uh, also remember what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, just send me an email, j at jbear.com. That's my real email address. Uh, let me know who you are and what you do. We always want to know more about who our listeners are. I get emails every day from you all. Thank you so much. It's super fun just to interact with you uh, in that format. But while we're talking about email, I want to remind uh, Social Pros uh, listeners that this podcast is brought to you by our good friends Emma. Uh, Emma has a fantastic free ebook that they put together called Your Brain on Email, The Science to Winning the Inbox. They took six different brain facts, really brain science, interpreted that through the email prism. So best thing to do for subject lines, submit buttons, layouts, etc. Really fascinating stuff. You're going to like it. It also looks awesome. If you want a good example of a really well-designed uh, ebook, you could uh, you, you you could do a lot worse than this one. We love it. Uh, go to myemma.com slash jbear. That's my E-M-M-A, myemma.com slash jbear, J-A-Y-B-A-E-R. Also this week, the show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud. As mentioned, Adam is off this week at, uh, at Dreamforce, but one of the things that he'll be talking out there at Dreamforce is the Salesforce Marketing Cloud Advertising Studio, which we talk a lot on this show now about paid social because organic social is 
tough and paid social is available and hyper-targetable and all those kind of things. But it's a real hassle when you got to log into Facebook, you got to log into Twitter, you got to log into Instagram, uh, you got to log into LinkedIn. It's a, it's a, it's jacked up, right? So, so what Salesforce did is built this advertising studio platform, which allows you to manage all of your paid from one place, do a lot of cross audience pollination, tie it directly into your email database as well. It's really slick. Check it out. Go to bit.ly slash advertising studio for a demo bit.ly slash advertising studio all lowercase thanks to salesforce and last this week uh joe and i's mutual friend jeff roars uh who used to be the co-host of this fine podcast for many years jeff is now the cmo of a company called yext y-e-x-t and one of the things that is bedeviling to businesses who have an actual location is when their customers search for them online typically on a mobile phone and there's duplicate listings i'm sure you've seen this in your life you go and you go to google and you're like where's this restaurant uh and there's two different listings for you like well which one of these is correct causes huge issues and yet Next has a new feature called duplicate suppression, which goes in, cleans all that up and makes your uh, online data, especially for mobile, uh, absolutely perfect. Go look at this little white paper they put together and see why duplicate suppression is really important. If you have a, a business that has a door, I ask you, go look at this right now. You're going to be like, wait a second. I didn't even know that was a problem. Offers.yext.com slash duplicates. Offers.yext, Y-E-X-T, dot com slash duplicates. Joe, you are a writer. Uh, you have written four books. The Content Marketing Institute site is manifestly written. I mean, it's how many blog posts do you guys have now? Thousands and thousands, thousands right? Thousands, thousands. 10, yeah, 10,000 blog posts. You are a writer. Your background is in magazine publishing. You have a magazine now. Uh, everything that's happening now on the content landscape and the social landscape is shifting toward video. How do you feel about that? I'm scared to death. How do you feel? Um... I don't know if I would agree with the shifting towards Perfect. video. Uh, look, if there's room for anything, uh, there, there's all different formulas to do that. And we talk, talk about it in my content and speech. Look, it's, if you're going to start out, it's for the most part, you focus on one content type, audio, video, texture, plus image, one platform, YouTube, iTunes, my blog or website, consistently deliver over time. This is the model that media companies have been doing since the dawn of time. That's the way that I see that going forward. Now, if you believe that you can tell that story effectively, most effectively through video, great. Do that consistently on a platform that makes yeah. sense, that you can drive email subscriptions of some kind as you go forward. Wonderful. Uh, we, in our opinion, from the education that we're trying to deliver to business marketers, in a lot of cases, video is not the best for them. It is audio and textual. Like we think personally for our Just audience, about better learning perspective. Audio, we have people that are uh, traveling, they're going around subways, they're in the yeah. car, uh, watching something is not going to work very well. We actually have, when we look at the proof of what works on our site, video performs not very well compared to the other things we do. Audio, good, really good. Textual, always, maybe that's because that's what they're used to, Sure. but we've tested a lot of different things and that's what we found. I would just say, look, if you can tell the story in video, great. Yes, I know everybody's using more video. But I'm, I'm a contrarian player. Like, if everybody's rushing to video, I'm looking at audio. If everyone's rushing to digital, I'm looking at print or in-person events. So I would look at where the opportunities are. So here's a little side tip. And of course, this is social pros, and you don't want me to talk about print. Well, I'm going to talk about print. I think right now is the best time to ever uh, launch a print magazine, ever. Not to monetize it, 
not to actually sell advertising in it, but to get attention and deliver it to the right person. Yeah. Because what's happened is, is that you have this delivery channel called the post office that nobody's using anymore except for really stupid things. Yeah. Like a letter, direct mail that nobody wants, whatever. If you deliver something of value, you can get that attention that way. So we really believe that's one of our subscription options that works really well. Of course, the events, you of course, you do that for a living. You're speaking at all these wonderful events. It makes a really big impact into your business model. Our own events do really well as well. So uh, I, I, great, you want to do the video, go do the video, have at it. But if you do it, do it consistently to one audience and have a different story as you do it. And maybe you can be successful with it. But I think there's just as many opportunities in textual content as there is audio content, print, and whatever else there is. So a lot of people who are, who are doing video now who aren't very good at video. And they're doing video because they believe that video is the answer. And it's not inherently the answer. It can be the answer. But anything can be the answer. But you have to have a passion for it. You have to actually be good at it. I mean, you know, bad video is not better than good print or good anything else. And right now, I kind of feel like the pendulum is swinging a little too far towards video. People think, well, it doesn't matter if the content's terrible because it's... Because it's video, like oh, video will somehow God. set you free, uh, and well, that's and the won't. same thing that we saw. I mean, you've talked about this on the show millions of times. That's the same thing everybody ran to social. Oh my God, we got to be have a Facebook page. Yeah, we got to be on Google. No, you don't. You don't have to do that unless you're ready, prepared to make it. It's going to be some kind of value. So if you're creating video just to create video, you, you're asking the wrong questions. You're already into what's my format instead of why I should be creating this in yeah. the first place. And is my story different or valuable in some way? Because yet that's your strategy. And that's the problem that we're seeing in all the research we do at CMI is everybody's just tr- jumping right to, oh, what's the delivery? Oh, yeah, it's great. All this shiny disco ball tools. And it's really fantastic. But then nobody engages with them. And then you're... You're in a place you don't want to be with in a corporate enterprise. Well, and it's also not free. I mean, that's the thing. Every video you make has a cost. It may not be a hard cost, but it's, it's an opportunity cost. Time and energy. Yeah, yeah I would, I would focus more on all the things that you're doing right now that you should stop doing and then focus on one thing that you could do really well to yeah. a very specific audience that's going to make a major impact in your business. And maybe we shouldn't be on 15, 16, 17 channels. As I've said a million times, uh, the hot new thing is doing today's things better. That's really good. Did you Thank trademark you. that? I should have. Nobody ever... Maybe there's still time. Maybe, maybe you used time. it first. I did use it first. <laughs> that I know. Well, then you could... Tra- yeah, that's yours. I might trademark it for you. Thank you. Um, speaking of things that are counterintuitive, uh, you used to work at a funeral home. Yes. I mean, your background is not in marketing. It is in uh, funeral services. I don't know if that's an actual term. Um, it is out for the show. It is for this. For the purpose of the show, it is. Tell me about that. I, I come from uh, an entrepreneurial background in two ways. One is my parents owned a restaurant. So I, when I was three, four years old, I ran around instead of daycare, I ran around yeah. at the restaurant. Me too. And on the other side of uh, my family, was my, my uh, grandfather owned a funeral home, Groff Funeral Home, and that was taken over by my uncle. And I worked there at a time when my grandfather and uncle were there. So I worked there from when I was... Honestly, I probably started tinkering around when I was 12. I started cutting all I don't know that tinkering, tinkering around is not really the phrase that you want to use in terms of a funeral. Let's, I appreciate let's that. Put, uh, when I was a Experimenting. Very, when I was a very young lad, I was watching. Yeah. I was watching yeah. what my uh, what my grand, what my grandpa and my uncle did. And then 16, started to really get more active doing some odd jobs around the funeral home. And then 18, I actually started to work where I would deliver the flowers to the grave site where I would uh, work on prepping bodies and whatnot. Um, 
I guess the one thing that I would say about it, like looking back on it and how it helped me, it is all about customer service. It, everything mm-hmm. about the funeral industry, like you, you think about it, you're like, oh, this is for, um, for the dead. This is why, no, no, no. It's, it's only to help somebody deal with their yeah. grief. And what you don't see, you, like if you usually go, whether somebody's cremated or embalmed, you know, you go to the service and you see that and you see the reception and, and everybody's sad and they're, they're dealing with their grief in some way. What you don't see is when somebody just passes away and they come into the funeral home, whether it was pre-planned or not, and they are sobbing and it is so personal to them. And what I, and I watched my grandpa and my uncle do this a million times where they would just sit and listen and they would be crying on their shoulders, trying to deal with this. And all they wanted to hear was this will get taken care of in the right way. And what your spouse, husband, loved one, whatever the case is would like, and you're going to get through this because they don't want to, nobody wants to worry about it. Nobody yeah. wants to know what urn I need or what yeah. casket or what yeah. they don't want to do that. So everything is about when they walk in the door, how you treat that customer. And it's all about, I mean, any, any service business, you just don't think, I don't think people think about a funeral home experience that way, that it's really about the person needs to deal with the grief and it's very hard to do that. And how do you get through that situation? It's, it's all just about that, that communication with your customers and, how you say, hey, we are here to care. It's care actually, you know, an elliptical way, a tremendous background and training to run in giant events. It's all about the customer. Yes. Yeah, it really is. It's all you know? about the customer experience. It's interesting. And we've got a fantastic team. I, I'm totally biased. I think it's the best team out there running events. And what we do is we walk from every hotel and every place that they will. So when you get off at the airport, I want, there are there. They start their experience. They actually start their experience before they come. So how are you communicating with them? And then when they get to the airport, I want them to see. Oh, yeah, I see. That's a familiar thing. Content market. Oh, wow. This is a. This is weird. I'm seeing everything about the event, and I just arrived in the city. I'm yeah. not even there yet. Yeah. You drive down to the cab, and the cabbie's got a button on, and you got a, a a topper on the cab, and you get to the hotel, and the hotel's got that signage all over the place and shining lights and, and a welcome letter and all those types of things that you touch that all along the way. And then you're, you're walking to the convention center and more and more. And then all the way through the event, orange snack tables, a little bit of fun that we like to have throughout the whole thing. And I, and I think if, if we think about that, if we thought about that with our social and content, we would do it differently. And I don't think we do because in a lot of cases it's throwaway. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, disposable. It's, just a tweet. Yeah. it's just an e-newsletter. No, it's not just an e-newsletter. That might be the e-newsletter that made a difference in somebody buying from you or not or subscribing or doing something. And then we need to be a little bit more serious. That's why, but you only have so much energy as an organization yeah. for that. That's why I would say. When you get well, spread too thin, you can't put the appropriate care into it. That's why I do the, the why exercise and say, look, I want you to list all the stuff you're doing and I want you to say no to half these things. Because you know what? You can't do them well. You can do one or two things really well. Let's do that. Let's do that really well. And when we've got those mastered and you're great, then we'll go and try something Then maybe, yeah. Speaking of of the event, um, it has been in Cleveland every year except one when it wasn't available in Cleveland. It has become one of the signature events in the city. You've been recognized on a number of occasions in a bunch of different ways for your contributions to, to Cleveland and the business community. Uh, it's important to you, I think, personally, for the event to be in Cleveland. You have brought thousands and thousands and thousands of people, marketers, business people, to the city who have never been to Cleveland before from all over the world. That presumably has 
a downstream impact on the reputation of the region, on business development in the region. It's it's more than just you know a, a three day conference. Um, why is that important to you? And and uh, and that's got to be gratifying that you've had that kind of impact. Well, I, I do. Thank you. Um, it is important to me. I grew up in Sandusky, Ohio, an hour west of Cleveland. I've always uh, been a Cleveland guy. I've lived there for over twenty years, and I don't know. I mean. It, it to me, and this is with our nonprofit, our Orange Effect Foundation, everything we do, it can't just be about the business. I think there's always like, what what more can we do? When we started in 2011 in Cleveland, we were the first marketing event ever to be in Cleveland, and we were the first like really any event because there was no there's no convention center that was yeah. not, it's not like Indie is you know really growing up around its convention area. There was nothing in Cleveland at the time. So that's why we had in 2012. We had to leave. We were in Columbus because nothing could, even if it was a thousand person event, there was nothing in Cleveland that could handle that, which is hard to believe. And we're like, what can we do to help the city? Little marketing people. Like, what, what good can we do? Can, can we actually do something, make an impact? And we realized that, oh my God, what we realized is, is that 70% of the people coming in have never been to Cleveland before. Most of these people run their own events. They, you know, they, they, they're looking at vacation spots. They can actually come back to Cleveland. Uh, can we leave them with a positive experience? I like to think I have no outside of the proof that we have of new events coming in mm-hmm. because they first got their taste with content marketing. Well, that we know. We know that we've delivered millions and millions of dollars coming back into Cleveland. What we can't prove that I believe is, besides LeBron and his impact in the city, I believe we've had a hand in helping Cleveland change the whole perception of that city. Yeah. Uh, I think when people look at Cleveland now, they're like, wow, comeback city, unbelievable. Uh, this is this is a really different experience. And, and, and now we're probably at the peak that we've been at maybe since 1925, yeah. where we were the sixth city, the sixth largest city in the United States. And now I think we're on our way up. Uh, for the first time in the last many years, we actually see an increase in population downtown. So yeah, I, I, it's important to me. Uh, I'd like to see, and uh, the goal of mine is to keep content marketing world in Cleveland for a long, long time to come. Because I think when people go to the event, it's hard to separate. I mean, if you do an event, you've been to events all over the world. You do an event in Silicon Valley, Chicago, New York, you don't get off the plane and see an event sign unless you're Dreamforce. Yeah, this is an unless enormous you, event. Unless you're yeah. South by Southwest. Yeah. We're a 3,600, we're a relatively small event when it comes to all these Yeah, from an event standpoint, yeah. And you, you can't, it's hard to separate when you go downtown and you see signage and banners for Content Marketing World. I mean, we really think that Cleveland and, and Content Marketing World are kind of joined at the hip. Um, I'm hoping that continues for a long time. And you know, if we can, if we can help the, the, the greater uh, Cleveland environment, we'll do that. I hope, I hope we're doing it. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I'm going to ask you the two questions that we've asked uh, all the 250 guests on this show, and, and then now you. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and finally. Finally. We were, waiting, we were waiting for you to actually, you know, do something uh, to, to, to have you on the show. We, we wanted to, you know, once the fourth book's written, it's like, you know, we should talk to Joe about being on the show. <laughs> How many books with content the title? Oh, right. Do I need to write? No, four, like, four is the answer. Four is um, the first question is, what one tip would you give somebody who's looking to become a social pro? I would say uh, focus on an area of differentiation where you can actually be the leading expert in the world at something. 
Um, I mean, if you are worth following, people will follow you and you can build your audiences on whatever platforms you choose to. The only reason that I have over 100,000 followers, not near what you have, but have followers on Twitter and Facebook and I don't know what I've got on LinkedIn, 150,000 or whatever. The only reason is because people think that I'm somewhat of an expert for content marketing. I know they're all crazy, but it is a belief. So just become great at the thing that you are passionate about and become great with and all the other things sort of work itself out. So I would focus on the message and the story first and the audience you're trying yeah. to target and the other stuff will come later. People ask me on other podcasts all the time, like, what's your tip for becoming a thought leader? And I always say, well, you should have leading thoughts. And, and that's I mean, and, and there's this whole idea like, well, what if I did a Facebook live series or what if I did, it's always about how do I do some tactics that amplify thought leadership as opposed to actual thought leadership, like say something that hasn't been said or help people or you know, give away some information that is actually useful. And, and then you're exactly right. The social success, social success is a trailing indicator of, of actual knowledge. But a lot of people who are trying to do this now think of it as a leading indicator. That somehow social is the tip of the spear, and it's not. It's the it's the feathers at the back. Yeah, I mean the what literally twenty four months of blogging, just me. I nobody knew me. Yeah. I was at, I, I never did speaking when I was at Pet Media. I did, when I launched the business. I said, look, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to have to blog on a consistent basis. Here's my mission statement. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's who I'm targeting. And I just did the work, and I had the passion to do that. And it literally, I mean, first nine months it was crickets. Yep. And, and then once I got to, you know, then probably was about 24 months till, till I realized, oh my God, this is working. This is actually making an impact. But it was that focus every day, getting up and doing the work. Yeah. Last question uh, for Joe, head of the Content Marketing Institute, author of four books, including the most recent one, Content Inc., which I really recommend. I recommend them all, but that one is particularly uh, useful. That's the one that got me on the show. That's one that got you on this yeah, fourth so one, tipping point. Um, <laughs> Uh, subscribe to this uh, if you're at all interested in content, and I'm sure you are, or you wouldn't have listened all the way through the show. Uh, go to uh, Content Marketing Institute site and subscribe to Chief Content Officer Magazine. It's free, six times a year. It's really high quality. Uh, I love getting it. Uh, you will as well. Uh, last question for you. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Any living person. So, yeah. Jesus would be out. Would be presumably out unless there's unless there's been a breaking news story that I'm not aware of. Um, um, living person, I probably would say two people. Can I say two? Sure. Okay. Warren Buffett. Yeah. That's great. With Warren, love it. I, I just love to sit with him and talk about him. Keep staying in the same house for the yeah. last fifty years and just his general thoughts on the environment. Um, I also would like to sit with Phil Knight. Nice. Me. Yeah. I read Shoe Dog. Have you yeah. read that book? Yes, great. I think that his experience and the way that he jumped, uh, Steve Harvey talks about this all the time, where you, you know you, you have to jump to be successful and you're going to scrape the cliff and on the way down. But if you don't jump, you know, it's never going to happen. happen. He jumped many times and was yeah, just. Yeah, the company over and over and over. And it, it, it's just an incredible story. I can't recommend Shoe Dog high enough for that and I would just like to be around somebody like that um, I mean I did it on a smaller basis I can't imagine the stress that he put himself and his family through all those years and now 
he's affected so many people worldwide, and it's really an amazing thing what he's been able to do. And I think if you you understand how Nike's gotten into the situation they've gotten into, if you if you hear the backstory, so I would say that. yeah, I felt like we've never had that answer on the show. Well, that would be a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, maybe we have. <laughs> I don't, I don't think we have. My friend, thank you very much. I, I'm sorry it took so long to get you on the show. Uh, I think we just had to both be in Iowa City is what happens. Next, uh, next time, in next time we're both in Iowa City, we're going to do this. We're going to do this again. 500th maybe. show. 500th show. Okay, fair enough. If I'm, uh, if I'm still around uh, by, by then, that's a long, that's a long way from now. Uh, maybe we start doing this every day. We'll, we'll ramp up the cadence. Thanks very much uh, for being here. Uh, I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. This, as always, is the Social Pros Podcast. Uh, join us next week. Adam will be back. Remember, feel free to email me, jayjbear.com. I'd love to hear from you at any point. Uh, ratings and reviews, we love them, obviously, on iTunes and all that jazz. You know what to do. Thanks for being the best audience out there, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Emma, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by Convince & Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcasts.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by audiobag.com.